This is going to be James 19 through 27. Hi. Here we are. Uh, (laughs) My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and after walking away immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. But religion that God our Father considers pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So I, I did this last week, and a lot of people came up to me, and they were like, oh, my God, so amazing. And um, they're like, memorizing so easy for you, right? Uh, so I just wanted to say in front of everybody, uh, one, I memorized the entire book of James um, in three months, and I never read it, and I've never, ever memorized scripture before. So I know, like, John 3.16, like everybody else. And um, I never read it. I did it all audibly. Um, where did Terry Kofsky go? She's in the first service. There's a book called, what was it called? I don't remember it because I didn't read it, but I talked to someone who read it. And they, they told me <laughs> the strategies for how to do it. Um, and it was mostly, I listened to it audibly, just the Bible app. Um, if you're going to do that, I recommend choosing a version where you like the voice of the person. NIV, NIV guy, he's fine. Um, but so you, li- I listened to it and then would say it along with him and then eventually would like turn <laughs> the volume down and try to say it. And then if I forgot what was next, I would just, he would go along and pick me up. So I did it all audibly. I never read it. I've never memorized scripture. So y'all have no excuse. That's awesome. It's such boss status when you got kids and you're doing all that. That's so awesome. Mamas. Hi, I'm Jamie. I serve as associate pastor here, and I'm excited about sharing the word with you. Uh, Before we begin, I just wanted to say a couple things. Um, Every great movie that you're going to see and remember, and every great story you're going to read or hear is going to have the same cycle. And the cycle is called The Hero's Journey. 
What it is, is there's a person who is safe. And actually, the classic example of this is, the, is voted the greatest novel in the 20th century, my favorite book called The Fellowship of the Ring, from Lord of the Rings. So it's Frodo, and he's in the Shire. He's in safe zone. And there is a crisis thing, and he moves out. He goes on a journey. He takes the ring to Mordor, he destroys the ring, and he returns. That's this cycle, going from the known to the unknown and back to the known. But when you come back to the known, you've been changed by what you've gone through. That's what the hero's journey is. Now, along the way, there are multiple characters, and and literature buffs love this stuff, but there are multiple characters that the hero will encounter and the hero has to encounter so that they can get through the journey. One of the weirdest of the characters is called the sage, the old wise man. And here's a couple of examples of them. King Arthur, for his journey, he needs Merlin, the wizard. Frodo needs Gandalf. The karate kid needs Mr. Miyagi. Neo needs Morpheus so he can take the right pill, right? And there's something about these wise old sages, almost all of them, they're like a little off. There's just something just off about them, right? Um, In a lot of literature, they'll be magical. They'll have some some quasi-divine thing about them. They speak in ways that don't make sense. They speak in riddles. There's just kind of like an off thing, but they're full of wisdom. And the point is, is that the hero, if the hero is going to be successful in the journey there and back again... Um, he's going to have to listen to the sage. He's going to have to listen to the wise man. If he listens to the wise man, he will be successful. It's still going to hurt, still going to have trials, still going to have pain, but he will be successful. Uh, If he doesn't listen to the wise man, he will experience ruin. Now, my favorite of the sages is a little three-foot green alien with pointy ears, puffy hair on the side. Who knows who this guy is? Yoda. Yoda, again, he's just a little off, right? He doesn't get his subjects and his objects. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, he's just, he's just off. When I think about James, <laughs> James, James is, he's an old, wise man. A couple weeks ago when we watched the Bible Project video, the intro video for this book, talks about how James is written more like wisdom literature. It's more like the book of Proverbs than it is like Paul's letters. It's not as straightforward like Paul's letters are pretty bum, ba dump, ba dump, ba dump. James is a little bit more axiomatic, proverbial, little statements that just gut punch you. Um, and he's a little, I mean, he's the half brother of Jesus. He grew up with Jesus. That makes him a little, eh, right? And Jesus, for for. Over half his ministry, James didn't even think Jesus was who he said he was. Then he becomes, obviously, a significant leader in the church. The Holy Spirit actually uses him to, um, to uh, legitimize the gospel's uh, entrance into the Gentiles. James is a significant figure, but there's a little something. The, historian, the Jewish historian Josephus tells us that he died as an old man, martyred in A.D. 61. Uh, and his, history tells us, and Dennis mentioned this as well, he was called Old Camel Knees because he was always on his knees praying. So he's just kind of a guy that's kind of very wise. And the big idea of the text is that all of us are on a hero's journey as well. It's called the kingdom of God. 
It's called going from the known, like Abram, called from the, the land of your father, to go to a land that I will show you. And there's trials on the way, and it's going to be difficult, but I'm asking you to take the next step and to move forward. And when you're done, I will bless many around you. I will bless you, and I will bless many around you. So the big idea of this text is this. I think I put it up there. Listening, obeying, that's the title. Big idea. How I hear and obey the Father through his word determines whether my Christian life is a waste of time or blessed. How I hear and obey the Father through his word determines whether my Christian life is a waste of time or blessed. When we have these sages, these old wise men in our life that have been around the block and have experienced things like James, if we will listen to them and follow them, we will be blessed. And I'm not talking about prosperity gospel garbage. I'm talking about about successful victory in the kingdom life. We will be blessed if we will if we will follow. If we don't, then we're leading to ruin. That's what the text says, and I'm going to prove it to you. So the text is James 1, 19 to 27. It's in three parts. Number one, receiving the word, verses 19 to 21. Two, obeying the word, verses 22 to 25. And then finally, visible signs, verses 26 to 27. And then we'll have some practical application. You've heard the text read, so let me pray, and then we will go after it. Father, we come. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak and your word is living and active and it is sharp. And so I ask that you will cut. You've been cutting me all week with this text. And I gladly ask you to cut all my brothers and sisters with this text as well. Holy Spirit, speak. Speak to the children of God. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hands and feet that are quick to obey. That's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, first part. Receiving the word is found in verses 19 to 21. Verses 19 to 21. This James, old wise man, sage James, begins. Chapter 1, verse 19. He says, know this. Listen up. This is important. You got to get this. This is very important. He's getting their attention. Get this. My beloved brothers and implied and sisters. So he's talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. Talking about those who have come into the family of God by faith in Christ. They're in the family, my beloved brothers and sisters. He gives three imperatives. He says, let every person be quick to hear, number one. Second imperative, be slow to speak. Third imperative, be slow to anger. And all of these imperatives, again, it's like it's like the book of Proverbs. He's just boom, boom, boom. All these imperatives have to do with the way one hears. The way one hears something. So he says, first, be quick to hear. That is, be active in your listening. Be, be intentional about your listening. Asking the question, am I understanding? When someone's talking to me, am I understanding what they're saying or am I just hearing them? Y'all know the point? Y'all know the difference? Am I hearing? Am I actively, am I quick to hear what's happening? Secondly, be slow to speak. That is, to have thoughtful consideration. Not just running your mouth. Maybe some preachers like myself need to hear that. But not just running your mouth quickly, but having thoughtful consideration. How many times have you been around someone and you're talking and you can tell that they're not listening to you. They're thinking about what they're going to say when you stop talking. 
That's someone who's not slow to speak. Y'all hear me? So that's someone who's quick to speak. In fact, why don't you shut up so I can start speaking? It's all about hearing. I, I can't hear someone if I'm too busy thinking about what I'm going to say to counteract what they're saying. Be slow to speak. And then be slow to anger. Again, when you're angry, how many of you know you can't hear the argument that's coming to you? I know none of y'all experience this, but when Jess and I are having a spirited conversation, right? It's got a little Taekwondo feel to it uh, verbally. Uh, When it's got that, a lot of times one of us is yelling, the other one is yelling, and we're not talking. Y'all know? If you're not active and you're listening, and you always want to be quick to speak, and you're angry, you're not going to be able to hear. So the truth is, you can hear something without really hearing it and receiving it. I was on a date night with Bailey. We were eating at Arthur's in Anderson. And Bailey was on one side, I was on the other side of the booth, talking, cell phones down, in the eye, doing this number. We're talking. And two ladies who were eating um, back behind me got up and they left their table. And as I'm talking, I see Bailey look over uh, to the person that's walking by. And I was like, what's going on? And she was just laughing. She started laughing. And I said, what's going on? And she said, well, the one lady is just talk, 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 talk. And the girl she's with was going, yeah, that's interesting. Yep, mm-hmm, yep, that's interesting. Yep, really, good to hear. Yep, yep. And even the seventh grader is able to tell when real communication isn't happening. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh-huh, yep, mm-hmm, good, yep, mm, really? <laughs> okay, all that stuff. I had a friend. I was just thinking about ways to illustrate this. I had a friend, and um, she had a boss that was not a good listener. And uh, when she would talk to her boss, very regularly, the boss was either typing. Like, you know when you're talking on someone on the phone, you can hear the... Because they're on the computer. Or she'd be in front of this boss, and the boss would be... So my friend would start doing things like this. It became a game. She did it regularly, actually. She'd start talking... Notice the boss isn't listening. And then she'd say, yeah, and then the aliens came and abducted me, and that's why I didn't get my work done. You know, and the boss was like, yeah, that happens. Uh-huh. Yep, you'll get it next time. Mm-hmm. And it happened regularly. You can hear someone without hearing them, is the point. You can hear someone without hearing them. Now, the spiritual application, of course, is how much more so does that happen with our relationship with the God that we cannot see. I, this is what's hard about preaching. But preaching and teaching with authenticity requires the text to get in you during the week. And I have been beat up this week with this text. So y'all going to get it. <laughs> y'all going to get it because I got it. So y'all going to get it. But I just realized... We so quickly say we hear God, but we're not hearing him. We're not receiving what he's saying. And this is what James is targeting here. Now, he puts some important um, clarifying statements here. He says, verse 20, uh, verse 21. He says, therefore, put away. It's like taking off a garment. It's the verb to take off a garment. Uh, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness 
the implanted word which is able to save your souls. He says, receive with meekness, that is to humbly accept, to readily receive, to gladly accept into one's being the word of God. To say, this is valuable and I need it, right? That's how you're to be hearing, not just, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that looks good, but I want this. Y'all feel me? Y'all feel me? I'm I'm with meekness, which means with humility. I need this because I ain't smart. I need it in me. With meekness. And conversely, we're to put away, to take off sin in our lives. Things that get in the way, that distract. This is a big deal. Jesus says something similar, doesn't he, in Mark 4. He's telling a story about uh, a sower who's sowing seed. Some of the seed falls on the path and birds come up and grab it. Some seed falls into soil, starts to get a little something going. When the sun hits, it shrivels up. A third bit of seed falls in other soil, and the roots start to get in there. And then distractions and pleasures of the world choke out that seed. And fourthly, the seed that actually gets planted sets down roots, and it actually grows. And it bears fruit, and a lot of fruit, Jesus says. And it's interesting, statistically speaking, only one quarter of you listening to me uh, will bear fruit with what you're hearing. Nice. Yeah. Statistically speaking, only one quarter of you are hearing this from the Spirit, and it will bear fruit a hundredfold in your life. So... That begs a question, it begs a question to me, which is, how do I prepare my heart? I mean, what do I, what do I need to do in my heart to be good soil that receives the word? One, we need to get rid of the weeds, my friends. These things that choke out. We need to get rid of that stuff. Listen, when we have persistent sin in our lives, the way sin works is that uh, we will disobey the Lord, and we'll have like a check, we're like, ah, oh, it's not good. But the problem is, is let's say that I keep doing that, You know what happens? My heart becomes callous towards the Lord. My ears become deaf towards what he's saying. And all of a sudden, I find myself in a position where I will sin against the Lord and my heart doesn't care. You gotta pull those weeds out. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's been talking about the heroes of the faith in chapter 11. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Same verb. Take that stuff off. Take it off. Get it off of us. But it's not just sin. There's also good things in our life that distract us. Technology can distract us. Watching TV can distract us. Hanging out late at night with friends and family can distract us. It's not necessarily bad, but it can distract us and keep us from receiving the word. So maybe just take a little bit of time with the soil of your heart and just say, are there things in there, better yet, Abba, are there things in here that need to be pulled out so I can hear you and I can receive with humility what you are putting in me? So first, get rid of the weeds. Second, abide with the Father. Abide with the Father. Jesus also said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Fruit. 
So this one who, this soil that's receiving and then bearing fruit a hundredfold is one who's abiding in Jesus, resting in Jesus, remaining, staying, being intimately connected relationally with Jesus in the word. So it's not just enough to get the weeds out, but there's something about setting aside and saying, this is a priority for my life to abide with Jesus in his word. Some of us just need to set an appointment and set the alarm clock a little bit earlier and get in the word. And be with the Father to abide, to receive with humility. There's something here I need to receive it. And funnily enough in this passage, and maybe don't talk so much when you pray, but maybe listen. Why don't you be quick to hear when you pray? Isn't that fun? Be slow to speak when you pray. That's not abiding. That's abiding. Abiding with the word. So the truth of all of this section here, of hearing the word, is that we have to be intentional and relational in our hearing of the word. We've got to get rid of stuff that keeps us from hearing him. Second, obeying the word. It's found in verses 22 to 25. 22 to 25. 22. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Imperative command, be doers. Do what it says, not just hearers. There's a translation that says, do not deceive yourselves by just listening to the word without practicing it. Friends, hearing the word without obeying it leads to deception and delusion. Hearing the word without obeying it leads to deception and delusion. And then James illustrates what it looks like. He says, this is crazy. Look at verse 23. If anyone, he's illustrating this, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away at once and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. N.T. Wright in his James for Everyone, writes this. It's really helpful. In that day, he's talking about James's day. In that day, there were, of course, no photographs. No Facebook albums, right? No photographs. Hardly anyone had their portrait painted. Not many people possessed mirrors either. So if you did happen to catch sight of yourself, you might well forget at once what you looked like. That's what it's like, says James, for some. When they hear God's word, a quick glance. Oh, yes, they think. That's interesting. And then they forget it straight away and carry on as before. How many times, I'm going to go ahead and put my hand up. How many times have you read the word in the morning, felt really good about it, and you couldn't even make it to lunch before you forgot what you just read? Mm-hmm. We do that all the time, friends. We're looking in a mirror. Mm, you look good. I wonder what I look like. I don't know. Same thing with the word. Oh, that just makes me feel so good. What's for lunch? I don't know what it said. We'll forget. You know why we're forgetting? It's in the text. Because we're not obeying. If you hear the word and then I'm going to put a plan into place to obey the word, I will remember what the word is. Are y'all? Okay, let me say it again. If you hear the word and then you put a plan into place to obey the word, you're going to remember the word. But if I hear the word and I'm like, hmm, that's good. I will forget the word. 
And that is deception and delusion. It's not just some, not that amnesia is something to laugh about, but it's not just something, it's bad. Spiritual amnesia. I'm hearing the word, I'm forgetting it. And this delusion is scary, friends, because we're actually doing something good. We're reading the word, but we're deceived. That's scary, friends. You're doing something good, but you're being deceived. You're listening to sermons, but you're being deceived. You're listening to podcasts, but you're being deceived. Coming to worship, but being deceived. At least you're reading the word, you might say, but you're being deceived. (laughs) It's scary because we're conditioning our hearts. Little Pavlov's dogs at play, right? I'm conditioning my heart to believe that reading the word and hearing it and not obeying is okay. It's not okay. If I just listen to a podcast, I listen to an amazing sermon. Wow, that's interesting. I'm not going to do anything about it. That's not okay. It's actually deception and delusion. But I'm going to church. Great, but it's still not okay. It's deception and delusion. We're conditioning ourselves. So let me illustrate this. Let's say that I wrote a note to Caden. Now, I've got the note up here. I wrote the note to Caden. He's 10 years old. Here's the note. Hey, Bubba, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I'm praying that you have a great day today. Please clean your room and feed Bear the dog. Thanks, Pops. I don't know why Pops isn't on there, but anyway, I signed it. And so I leave the note for Caden. I go off to work, doing all my thing. I come back. I walk up to Caden's door, I open the door, and there's a bunch of other kids in the room. There's Caden and a bunch of kids, and they're all sitting in a semicircle. Like, well, what's going on? He goes, Dad, this is so awesome. I got your note. Love the note. Thank you for the note. I gathered my friends. We all got, and we got a little semicircle. I photocopied the note. We're going to work on memorizing the note. I handed it out to everybody. We're going to memorize the letter. This is what we're going to do. We also thought, hey, how could we learn what you're saying and understand it? So then we did. We said, let's come up with some questions that we can ask of the letter, and that will help us to understand it better. So one guy was like, hey, we should ask the question, what does this note tell me about my dad? And so we started asking the question. We started talking about it. We're like, man, this is awesome, Caden. What it tells me about your dad is that your dad is so generous. He's a good father. He's amazing. And he, 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 he wants to give you good things. And the dog. And the food to feed the dog. He's a good father. I said, uh, okay, what else, what else has been going on here while I've been here? But we asked another question. We thought, okay, how, what should we ask about what this tells me about me? And my friends are like, Caden, you are blessed. You are a blessed boy. Because your father has provided all that you need. And he has given you responsibility. With great power. And there's got Spider-Man. We got all kinds of things. I said, Caden, I appreciate that. That's really good. When you started talking about the responsibility thing, did that make you think... You know, I should, I should clean my room and feed the dog. Uh, and he goes, no, I didn't have time to do that because we were coming up with the questions. I said, son, this is what I want you to do. I want you to clean the room, feed the dog. When I get back, it better be clean. I love you. I leave. Come back. I hear music coming the second time. 
I hear music coming from the door. I'm like, what is happening? I open the door and Caden's like, hey, get out, get out. We're practicing. We're practicing. What are you practicing? We invited Mariel. We invited other people that have musical skills. And we wanted to write a song for you, Dad. We wanted, and we got Raz because Raz knows how to write music. And we want to sing a song because we've heard the question about how good you are. We're going to write a song to you. I made this for you, Dad. I made this for you. Do, oh. Oh. You got the song. I w- yeah, let's hear the song. Let's, let's, this is good. We got a song. Oh, yeah. This is, this is amazing. Let's hear how the song goes. All right, bud. Okay, hold on. Listen for your voice It seems unclear When I ignore your noise It's so unfair Send your worthy ones To feed the bear And as I sing this simple song you know I'm quite sincere. Oh, Pops, I love you. <laughs> but don't assume because I love you that I'll clean up my room. No, no, no. But I'd love to call you, Lord. Mm, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. 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 It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Just tugs. It tugs at the heart. Now, I may look at my son and say, this is awesome. I really appreciate what you did. That actually makes me feel really good. I really appreciate that. I I appreciate the time. Did you clean your room? And did you feed the dog? No, Dad, I was busy. I had this practice. I had this rehearsal. But I sang the song really, really passionately for you. Yeah, but did you clean the room and feed the dog? No. Son, I want you to clean the room and feed the dog. I leave. Come back. I open the door. Fully expecting the room to be sparkling clean. Now there's some strange kid I don't know. Up at the front of the room. He's got a projector out. And he's shooting up uh, something onto the screen in his room. And the kid's got the little click, click. I'm like, what is going on here? He said, Dad, listen. Um, I heard about this kid. He lives in another country. He's great at cleaning his room. And he's been training a bunch of other people to clean their room. So we paid them to come here and show us how they cleaned their room and how he taught other people to clean their room. I said, son, I don't know this kid. I've asked you to clean your room. Why are we talking about this kid? He's got responsibility. He's got a dad. He needs to be cleaning his room. What about you? Yeah, I know, I know. Okay, last thing, last thing. What I thought I was going to do, I've heard about this other kid. He lives here in town, so he's not, he's not in another country. He lives here in town, but he's just good with the words. He's just good with the words. He just know, he knows verbs and stuff. And so he looked at this. He blew my mind, Dad. He looked, just in five seconds, he looked at your letter, and he was like, yeah, clean your room. He was like, tell me that's an imperative verb in the Greek. And I was just, my mind was blown. 
My mind was blown. So here's what we're doing. All of our friends and me, we're going to pull up our piggy bank money. We're going to pay him every single week. And every single week, he's going to come to our room. He's going to, every single week, he's going to come. And he's going to explain to us what you've written down. And it's just, our minds are blown. It's just amazing what he's doing. And I'm a worship guy. I'm a Bible guy. I'm a Greek and Hebrew guy. But our Bible studies are a waste of time if we do not obey the one we study. And our worship services, we can put all our hands up and you can sing as much as you want. You can feel as much as you want to feel. But if your heart is not ready to obey the one you say you worship, you are not in fact worshiping him. You're worshiping yourself or something else, but not him. So I'm telling you, maybe we should take a break until we actually obey what he said. And this is coming from a Bible guy who works at a church. (laughs) It's spiritual smelling salt (laughs) to go, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Our worship is a waste of time if I'm not willing to obey the one I worship. My Bible studies and my small groups are a waste of time. It would be better to not do it than to sit in a study and walk away and not obey what you just studied. The most important question, I'm talking to all the small group leaders and y'all know I love you. The most important question your small group should be asking is what will I do today based off of this text? And I've, I've taught the studies and I know how this works. You got the person who's talking. They're not slow to speak. Uh, they get talking and all of a sudden the end of the time comes and we didn't actually get to the application because we ran out of time. You should do the application up front. Are y'all hearing me? Because the enemy loves this. He's called the father of lies, right? The enemy loves it. Oh yeah, y'all go on up there and worship with your full heart. Go ahead, as long as you won't obey him, I'll let you do all you want to do. Yeah, go ahead and spend all that time in Bible study. Read the text. But if you won't obey it, that's great. Deception. Deception. Deception and delusion. (laughs) You see, James Yoda is talking to us today. Tell you all week I've been. <laughs> Deception is a work of the enemy. Jesus said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. Matthew 15, 8 to 9. The prophet Samuel speaks to Saul. 1 Samuel 15, 22. What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, he says. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. You know what would scare the enemy here in Marymount? It would scare every demon in this village. If MCC, we just stopped doing everything and we just got our notes just from last week and actually obeyed them. It would scare the enemy to death. He's happy for us to fill this place and have a bunch of great preaching and singing, studies. But if we don't obey, it's a waste of time. 
So some practical questions. Number one, what have I heard in the word recently that I know I should have obeyed but didn't? What have I heard this morning that I should put into practice today? What is the Father saying to me? Second question, am I deceived in my corporate worship? Is my mouth singing words that my heart is not ready to live out? Which room is the Father asking me to clean? Which room is the Father asking you, 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 and me to clean? Third and final section, visible signs. So James is going to illustrate, he's got three examples. One example of someone who's deceived and is not obeying. And then two examples of someone who is hearing and is obeying. This is not the totality of what it means to be a Christian. He's just throwing some examples out. So verses 26 and 27. He says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. That word is useless and a waste of time. Verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So he's just giving an example. He says, listen, you may be worshiping and just, and just speaking praises to God and, 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 and just feeling a bunch of feelings, but then if you turn and you cuss out someone in your life or you speak gossip or slander or accusatory words or angry words, he's saying you're showing that you're deceived because out of your mouth should not be blessing and cursing, but one who is hearing and obeying the word, it is only blessing to all I come into contact with. As an example. And then he gives two examples of one that is actually not, is not deceived. He says one that has, has a heart for the vulnerable. For the orphan and for the widow. For the marginalized. From the disadvantaged. Because that person has abided with the father. Has felt the father's heart for the vulnerable and said, I will go, Abba. I will go, Because your heart is for the vulnerable, and so I will go and love them. And I will sacrifice. I will give of my money. I will give and I will go. And that's someone who is, I'm I'm hearing and receiving, Abba, your heart in the text, and so I'm going to go. And then one who says, I'm not getting this, the the stain of the world on me. I'm pulling out weeds and I'm getting myself cleaned up. Two examples. So some practical wisdom for us. It is far better to obey the word even if it looks and feels hard than it is to ignore the word and risk ruining your life. Because let's not play. You obey the word, it's hard. (laughs) Forgiving someone who has sinned against you is hard. Let's not play. Giving of our financial resources when things are tight is hard. But it is better to obey even if it's hard than to ignore the word and risk ruining your life. Now you may say, Jamie, you're exaggerating the text because it actually says their religion is useless, not ruined. Now you could make that argument. You could say, Jamie, it clearly says person who doesn't bridle their tongue is deceiving their heart. Their person's religion, this person's religion is worthless, useless. It's not ruined. It's just useless. 
Okay, in this text, you're right. It doesn't say ruined. But Jesus says it will be ruined. You know the story. He says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it was well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods come and sweep against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. <laughs> Jesus is talking about your life. He's not, it's not just building a house in Florida. The metaphor is one's life. It says, if you hear what I'm saying and obey it, it's like building your life on solid rock foundation and when the storms come, because they will come. Whether you're hearing and obeying or not, the storms will come. Everyone in this room, storms are coming. <laughs> you're like, thanks for the good news, Jamie. The storms are coming. The question is, am I going to build a life that's steady on the solid rock or am I going to do the toothpick house of a life? And when the storm comes, whew, ruin. It says, a solid rock house is one who hears and obeys. The toothpick house is one who hears and goes, hmm, that's interesting, not going to do it. Again, the old wise man is looking at us and saying, Follow the word of God and obey it and you will be blessed. You will see success. You'll have victory in life. It's the kingdom of life. And it will be hard and things are going to happen and it's not going to be super fun all the time. But you will experience success. If you hear and you do not obey, you will experience ruin and it is a complete waste of time as a Christian life. I told, I told the group in the last service, I do not want to enter heaven and come into the eternal state and find out that I wasted my time. I'm still, I'm still in the family of God. I'm still going to experience the presence of God forever. I'm still going to experience his presence, yes. But I don't want to find out that if I had obeyed, there would be generations of people and people set free. And I don't want to find, I don't want to get there and then find out that if I had just obeyed and did that hard thing, that he moved in such a way that there was breakthrough. And I really don't want to find out that someone else, there was a David along the line, that I was Saul. And I didn't do what God asked me to do, and so he found a David to do what I was predestined to do. I, I don't want that to happen. I don't want it to happen to you. I don't want to get there and find out that I wasted my time. Went to a lot of worship services and I wasted my time. Went to a lot of Bible studies, hours and hours and hours of study, and I wasted my time. I don't want to get there like that. So let's get some practical application and we'll be finished. Because it's entirely possible that someone is hearing me right now and there's an improper motivation. The practical application is this gospel-motivated obedience to the Father who loves you. The call is to gospel-motivated obedience to the Father who loves you. Look at the note that I wrote to Caden. I wrote this note very specifically. Look at the note. Look at the first sentence. The first two sentences say, I love you and I am so proud of you. 
I'm praying that you have a great day today. And then you have the Greek imperative verb, clean your room, feed the bear. Do you see the order? Did I have a command and then tell him I love him as if it was conditional? Are y'all hearing me? It's a little quiet in the house. You see, my son will be my son. (laughs) I love him and he's mine. He's my boy. And if I ever communicate to him, you're out of the family and my love is nil for you unless you do this. Now, many people have had fathers who've done that, and even the best fathers that we have ever had are still imperfect. So that is very likely. (laughs) But it is not so with Abba, Father. It is not that way. Galatians 4, 4 to 7. Actually, let me back it up. Mark 1. Listen to the way Abba speaks about Jesus. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. You are my precious boy. You bring me great joy. And from that moment, where did Jesus go? Wilderness to be tempted. Then where did he go? Started ministry, right? Did he hear he was loved after he did a bunch of things for the Father? Did he hear he was loved after he did after he was able to withstand the temptation of Satan? No. He was loved before. Jesus was loved before he did a single thing in this ministry, and the same is true of you and I. That's what's good news about it. Galatians 4. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us into his, as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has spent the, sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So... So this is what happens. Caden receives from me. I say, you're my son. You're in my family. I love you. And this is how Moors act. If you're in this family, this is how we act. This is how Moors behave. We clean our room and we feed the dog. And so Abba looks at us and those of us who have received forgiveness of our sins by faith in Christ, that Christ died on the cross for our sin, his righteousness and our sin was exchanged in such a way by faith that we become the righteousness of God. He takes our sin, we receive his righteousness. That's what the good news is. And now we're adopted into the family and the father looks at us, he says, you're my boy, you're my girl, I love you, you're in my family. And because you're in my family, this is the way we behave. So act like who you are. Act like clean your room because that's what we do in this family. We clean the room and we feed the dog. I love you, you're my boy, and this is what we do. We clean the room and we feed the dog. That's what the instructions of the Old and the New Testament are. You are loved. You are precious in my sight. I will never leave you or forsake you. This is how we behave. Since you know who you are, behave like who you are. That's what communion is. I go to the table not because I earned a seat. I go to the table not because I did all the right things to get to the table. I go to the table because Jesus has purchased a seat at the table in the family of God for me. He stands and he opens up a seat and he says, take a seat. 
That's what we do when we come to the table. I encourage you, the prayer servants are coming, the worship band is coming. I encourage you, as we come to the table, come to the table with thankfulness and gratefulness. I'm asking the Father to meet us at the table and then to walk from the table to go clean our room. Some of you here have never experienced the Father's love. And I'm going to be standing here, and, I'm, and when everyone is going to the tables and doing things, I just invite you to just come. There's going to be prayer servants. You can come and receive prayer. But everybody listening to me, the worst thing that happens right now is you go, that was an interesting sermon. Wow, he got really sweaty and loud. <laughs> and then walk away and not have a plan to obey what you have heard. Are you all hearing me? The worst thing is for you to walk out deceived, thinking, that was interesting. I feel good about myself. Nope. It doesn't matter if this was interesting to you. What matters is, have you heard Abba? And what are you going to do about it? Which room are you going to clean? Because everybody's got rooms to clean. It may be a small thing. I told the first group... I was reading this morning, I was reading 2 Timothy, and Paul says to Timothy, he says, I urge you to offer prayers and supplications and intercessions for all kings and rulers and those in authority that you may lead godly and peaceful lives. And I just read it, and I just read right through it. And Abba said, stop. Why don't you pray? (laughs) But I got to get through the, oh yeah, I'm preaching on that. I probably should do that. And it's funny, I didn't even know who the governor of Ohio was, so then I had to like search that up and then. But are y'all getting what I'm saying? I'm not talking about you read the text, now I gotta build the Titanic, I gotta build the ark. I'm talking about simple, uh, achievable goals today based off of what I have heard. The two most important questions you ever answer in your life what is the Father saying to me, and what am I gonna do about it? That is what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Hearing. What's he saying? What am I going to do about it? Obeying. So come to the table and everybody in the room has business to do with Abba. Say, Abba, what room am I supposed to clean? Who am I supposed to forgive? What am I supposed to change? What time do you want me to set the alarm so I can be with you tomorrow morning? What reading plan? What book will I memorize? You're all hearing truth. Question is, will you clean your room? And will you feed the dog? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the table. We thank you for what it represents, your love extended to us, enemies, enemies of yours, that you came and died in our place, offering us forgiveness and redemption and exchange our sin for your righteousness. And Jesus, we honor you as our King and our Savior, and we say, Lord, Lord, we want to obey you. We thank you for your love and your mercy, and we come to follow you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you will open ears and open eyes, spiritual ears and eyes, to hear the Father and the Son at the table and the courage to follow him. And all God's people said, Amen. The table is open. Prayer servants are open.